This is Unfilter, episode 363 for May 12th, 2021. The FBI says a Russian criminal gang called Darkside is behind the largest ransomware attack of its kind, targeting a critical piece of U.S. oil infrastructure. The 5,500-mile colonial pipeline that supplies 45% of fuel to the East Coast remains shut down tonight, though Colonial says it hopes to restore service by the end of the week. Colonial is currently working with its private cybersecurity consultants to assess potential damage and to determine when it is safe to bring the pipeline back online. Cyber experts say Darkside is a sophisticated criminal ring that targets English-speaking victims. Hello, friend, and welcome into the People's History Podcast. You know, there's so much we could talk about this week. That's been the problem really for a long time with this show. But this week, there is one topic that I've been following with interest, and that is the ramifications of our response to COVID-19 and how it's going to change our day-to-day lives ongoing, especially here in the States. And in May of 2021, it does feel like our lives are changing in a lot of ways. Some of it, though, I think we could have seen coming for a long time. And this week, it crosses over into the territory of, quote-unquote, cyber security and that's an area that the unfiltered show loves to dig into when we get an opportunity because it's so clearly misunderstood by most of the reporting out in the mainstream so before we get to that and the obvious horrendously negligent mistakes that are being made by the federal government and the media in general before we get to the dangerous mistakes that are being made. I want to set the context for you. I want to set the scene, if you, if you will, of kind of what mid-May 2021 is looking like right now. And to be honest, it's not so good. Key U.S. inflation report coming in stronger than expected. The consumer price index in the United States jumping 0.6% in March from the previous month as the economic recovery continues. Christine Romans has all the analysis for us. Christine, it was the year-on-year comparison that I made earlier on in the show because that number looks alarming. And certainly that number is what people are going to focus on, I think. 2.6%, clearly higher than what the Fed targets, approximately around 2%. Does this number match? Inflation is it's way beyond 2.6%. There is a shortage of everything from glue to chickens. There is a shortage right now. There is a shortage of toilets. There is a shortage of everything. And that is combined very strangely with a very, very poor jobs report. So poor that when we got the jobs report live, The anchors on the air were in such disbelief they had to reread the figure, assuming it was an error. Let's get to Steve because he's got the number. Okay, good. 1.08. Steve, the number. Uh, Wow, it just came across. Give me a second here. Uh, We have the number here. Just came across. Ah, Sorry about that. It came across very quickly here. It looks like 266,000. It looks like it was a big disappointment at 266, but maybe I have that wrong. Let me double check the Bureau website here. Uh, one second. Uh, yes, 266 is correct. Unemployment change, little change is 6.1%. So we have some issues here. 266,000. Uh, long-term 000. unemployed. Big revision. 
Yes, that's what I'm. Last month, seven hundred and seventy versus nine sixteen. Yes, uh, minus seventy eight thousand on the revision. If we look at manufacturing, change in private payrolls, it was only two hundred and eighteen thousand. It's really bad. In fact, it was so bad that even CNN had to be honest about how disastrous it was. Big breaking news just in: the April jobs report is out, and it's a huge disappointment and, frankly, a shock. Just 266,000 jobs were added last month. Yes, that's added, but economists were expecting about a million jobs to have been added in the month. Unemployment remained little changed at 6.1%. The whole idea here was that Biden was going to see a huge boom because when you shut down all these jobs artificially and then you turn them back on, well, people just expected the numbers to look really great. We even talked about that a while ago here on the show. And for a brief period, Things were kind of indicating that way, and I think that's in part why this revision is so surprising. But the, there has been a strong attempt to make a meme that, well, people don't want to go back to work. We, we have cooked the economy because we've been pumping money into people's pockets, as if that's where most of this money is going to. But when you actually slice and dice the numbers, it was kind of the what you would consider lower-wage labor jobs. Some of those were actually where some of the growth was. And you, you really have to understand, too, that this, we're still in this weird kind of rebound phase from shutting things down. People are still scared about the virus. We haven't really fully uh, like defeated the COVID-19 pandemic. It's still kind of out there. People are still getting sick. The vaccine's still kind of rolling out. Some places are not fully reopened. Other places require all these weird precautions. It's risky to go out to work right now by, for some people especially people who may have some sort of pre-existing condition. And at the same time all of that's happening, we have this tremendous, awful, no good, real bad supply chain issue across industries. I think the most famous one right now, because it has such a ramification, is the chip industry. Everybody keeps talking about chip shortages, chip shortages. It's caused all of these issues. From Chicago and all over the country, the newly vaccinated are hoping to hit the open road this summer. And if you need a new or used car, brace yourself for a bit of sticker shock. You see, a worldwide shortage of one type of computer chip is wreaking havoc on the automotive supply chain. And this is happening just as demand is increasing. The result, record high prices for new and used cars and tough choices down the road. These shortages and the demand are driving the price up of everything right now of course and i'm about to go on a road trip to montana so of course the gas prices are going to be shooting up ford has lots filled with unfinished trucks right now it's it is a disaster for them in particular and i i think the kind of free pass they've been getting here is they made a bad bet that's the under discussed aspect of this story they made a bet on the on the state of the economy and demand as a result of COVID shutdowns, they de- decreased their just-in-time orders. They decreased their orders, made a bet on what they thought demand would be. The fabs, well, they proceeded as planned. They just sold that capacity to people that were willing to pay, people like Apple and NVIDIA who were willing to pay for the time that the auto manufacturers just weren't so sure about. And now, now they're, they're at the back of the line. Different industries use different types of chips, and the automotive sector has its own specific needs. Chips for cars need to be durable and long-lasting. That means a lot of automotive industry chips are legacy chips, meaning they tend to be older designs. 
That's a problem for automakers. Those legacy chips aren't as profitable for the for the semiconductor industry. Um, so when they're balancing out, you know, who to provide chips for and, and who to maybe, you know, let wait a little bit, it's it's really, you know, a multitude of things that go into that decision making. Meanwhile, demand for consumer electronics, gaming consoles, televisions, phones, and webcams exploded. The demand for consumer electronics, which uh, to a great degree used the same chips, the same types of chips, took up all of that additional slack. So you already had a shortage, you already had tight supply. Um, you had automakers ramping down their orders while other competing industries ramped theirs up. And then when automotive came back a bit faster than expected, the capacity was not there to fill the demand. And so then it took a, a few months to really reach the coal phase, which is a shortage at an auto plant. And that's what we're seeing now are, you know, the, the automakers are forced to uh, furlough workers and stop production on certain models. So chip makers were running into their own shortages due to production constraints and had begun prioritizing chips for other industries, often ones that are more profitable for them and less likely to have to cut back supplies in the event of a lockdown. Totally fair, especially when you've got all these smartphone makers that are willing to pay top notch. And uh, they'll even invest in your fab infrastructure if you go with their orders. Like in the case of Apple, they'll actually help finance some of the machine necessary for production. And then you get to keep the machinery. What a win-win, right? Like they're going to get a client. They're going to get an investment in new machinery for higher-end chips. And when they're done, they can then go turn around and take a contract from the automakers and build the chips. Uh, But the automakers just have to wait. And before we had a worker shortage, before we had a chicken shortage, before we had a chip shortage, we also had a truck driver shortage. Xavier Franklin is taking classes to become a professional truck driver. And new truckers like him are in high demand. The president of Roadmaster Drivers School says there is a shortage right now. A lot of drivers were retiring early during COVID. Uh, that we're planning to retire in the next few years. So suddenly uh, the supply uh, shrunk, uh, the demand grew. Adding to the problem, many driving schools shut down during the pandemic, then had to implement social distancing rules when they reopened. So they shut down, i.e. the supply chain of new students was suspended. And then when they came back, they had to implement rules that are difficult to follow and make training slower and make it so they have to train less people. Western Truck School in Sacramento has half the students they usually do. We've had to schedule our training out farther because of the number of people that are allowed inside the truck. The trucker shortage is expected to impact the delivery of goods this summer, including gas. Fuel prices plummeted last year during the height of the pandemic, but now things are returning to normal levels. We're not seeing a shortage. What we're seeing is a delay in deliveries, which has impacted a small number of markets in the past month. I.e., it's it's not a shortage because there is actually supply. It's a problem of getting the supply to the end destination, which looks pretty much like a shortage. Belay's Jeanette McGee says refineries have plenty of gas and prices shouldn't go up much higher this summer. But getting fuel to the pumps is taking a little longer. That could lead to tight supplies in a few places. It's more likely to happen in spots that are popular travel destinations like beaches and like mountains. The places that are just trying to recover from the shutdowns last summer. As the summer is getting warmed up, 
as travel and tourism is warming up, we are struck with a series of shortages after shortages, which are directly the ramifications of the decisions we made about shutting things down, for better or for worse. It's just the reality of it. But then you have this whole toxic kind of mess. Sorry for the use of the term toxic, but it really truly is. It's a mess of people still afraid of the pandemic, a half-implemented vaccine rollout, a supply chain shortage from building materials to food to even fuel, like a car shortage, chip shortage, end-to-end shortages across the spectrum, even a toilet shortage and a fireplace shortage, for God's sakes. You have all of this really unstable stuff. You have inflation going at a rate that's beyond what the Federal Reserve estimated at the same time. And then a new variable this week enters the scene that kind of acts like a type of God scenario, you know, like a weather scenario where a big storm comes in and it makes a bad day even worse. A major cyber attack shut down. This is the jugular of the U.S. oil industry. The nation's largest fuel pipeline falling victim to a cybersecurity attack involving ransomware. Colonial Pipeline temporarily halting all operations Friday in a system spanning from Texas to New Jersey. Colonial now enlisting the help of a third-party cybersecurity firm to investigate the ongoing incident, adding in a statement that the company's primary focus is a safe and efficient restoration of our service and to minimize disruption to our customers. Colonial transports more than 100 million gallons of refined products per day, including gasoline, diesel, home heating oil, and jet fuel. While it's unclear when operations will come back online, experts say consumers could see an impact with an extended delay. So that was Sunday. It's Wednesday as I record right now. And it's obvious that this is a Russian attack. Clearly, Catherine Heritage is now working for CBS. She used to be at uh, Fox News. And she's all over it. She says, clearly, this is Russian and clearly, obviously, will never be able to prove it. This, let's bring in CBS News senior investigative correspondent Catherine Herridge. Hi there, Catherine. So the FBI confirms hackers calling themselves dark side are responsible for this cyber attack. And they wrote on their website that their goal is to make money, not to create problems for society. I love how and by love, I mean, hate how Catherine, even though she is a multi-year veteran and uh, clearly trained by the CIA as well, she still can't help but go. Mm-hmm. Shut up. Shut up. Stop doing that. Have they issued any demands and what can you tell us about them? Well, based on our reporting, Elaine, here at CBS News, Dark Side is new on the cyber ransom warfare landscape. But. Whoa. Whoa. What? (laughs) Is that. Oh, I, I thought for just a second, I thought maybe I heard. Oh, no, that's I thought maybe it was Putin there in the background. But what did she say? A a cyber what? Can you tell us about them? Well, based on our reporting, Elaine, here at CBS News, Dark Side is new on the cyber ransom warfare landscape. But what we see in the tactics and the targets it has chosen, that it is likely a group of highly experienced veteran cyber warfare individuals. And what I mean by that is that it's a new collection of hackers, but these are folks who are highly experienced. 
And the former head of cybersecurity and infrastructure protection at Homeland Security, Chris Krebs, told CBS News that this is a group that has links to Moscow. So what exactly does that mean? The president said today there's no evidence the Russian government was involved. But there really is a spectrum with attribution. In this case, it may be absolutely correct that the Russian government did not direct this attack. But that's very different than saying the Russian government did not encourage this attack. And it's also very different from saying that Russian intelligence gave their tacit approval to this type of activity by allowing these hackers to operate either from Russia or Eastern Europe. And Man, that is this is some really broad, broad, broad. So their intelligence agencies allowed them to operate in a far away area and because I got well, hold on a second. This is some this is so what I and it's constantly couched in how well we can never really guarantee attribution, but it's totally Russia. Courage this attack and it's also very different from saying that Russian intelligence gave their tacit approval to this type of activity by allowing these hackers to operate either from Russia or Eastern Europe. And as you know from your reporting, Elaine, attribution is the most difficult part in a situation like this. So then why are you reporting? on who you suspect attribution should be given to until you have verified it. You have people that work for you. And sometimes can take weeks or months, and sometimes no conclusion is ever reached. So we'll never know that it's Russia, but it's totally Russia. Because the hackers are so good at covering their tracks. If the hackers were so good at covering their tracks, maybe they would make it obvious what their country of origin is. Just putting that out there. But if these hackers are so elite, maybe they'd know how to use a proxy. Yeah, it was interesting to hear the president even Mm -hmm. comment at this point Mm -hmm. so early on, um, just after this attack was discovered. Let's go to uh, Biden's comment where Biden says it's totally not Russia, but it's totally Russia. Targets English speaking victims. So far, there is no evidence based on from our intelligence people that Russia is involved although there is evidence that the actor's ransomware is in Russia. They have some responsibility to deal with this. NBC's Kendallanian. They're shielded by the Russian state. So at some point, this becomes a U.S. national security problem, not just a criminal problem for corporations. For years, ransomware attacks have targeted retailers, hospitals, police departments, utilities, state and local governments. I can't believe that ransomware attacks are still so prevalent. And that they have they have wrecked so much havoc across industries. What a ransomware attack is, when you have a ransomware attack that affects you publicly, it is a public statement. It is a bare naked public statement that you don't have proper backups. A ransomware attack encrypts your data and then holds it for hostage for payment. If you have proper backups, You can delete the encrypted data and you can restore from your backup and you can go tell the ransomware quote unquote hacker to go fuck himself. It's as simple as that. And the messaging from day one when ransomware came onto the scene back in the good old days when I used to do TechSnap with Alan Jude 100 years ago, the messaging should have been clear then. Ransomware can be prevented with good backups. Full stop. You can do other things, but ransomware can be prevented with good backups. The shutdown of the pipeline wasn't because the controller systems of the valves or something got infected with ransomware. It's because the office machines got infected with ransomware and data was encrypted and lost. 
and out of an abundance of caution, they shut down the pipeline for like five days. It's remarkable because they didn't have good backups. And it's such an essential function of the economy and of the entire eastern side of the United States to not have proper backups is is, is negligence. It is not doing proper due diligence on business recovery and continuity. Full stop. It is absolutely the failure of the team at that company, 100% their fault for not having proper backups. End of story and complete. They shouldn't get any insurance money for this. They shouldn't get any federal assistance for this. And no company should. And instead, they're cashing this in and they're making millions of dollars in insurance. These private cyber firms are coming in and they're making millions of dollars in fees. And the federal government is getting more and more involved with private sector companies to help them defend from something that could simply be prevented with decent backups, which you should have anyways. And now we have had the Eastern Colonial Pipeline shut down for five damn days because the people in their IT department couldn't do proper backups. And ransomware is now this massive, sophisticated attack that must be attributed to a nation state that could only pull off something so sophisticated as packaging up some open source free crap software that encrypts people's stuff with libraries that are available anywhere on the internet. Only the Russian government could pull something like that off, and here we are once again blaming Russia. And these things have ramifications on the national stage. And also, it's not like the Russian government isn't aware of the solution to ransomware. So they see things like this, and it is broadcasting incompetence to the rest of the world. When we get all hysterical and start blaming Vladimir Putin's elite ninja squad of hackers, we did it with John Podesta when he was fished. The old man clicked a link in his email and gave his password over. It's not some elite hack job, but over the if you look how it was spun over the last five years, you would think some sort of elite squad attacked him. And now that's how this pipeline shutdown is being spun. Some elite squad of foreign-backed hackers, potentially Russian, attacked a pipeline to shut it down. It's wild. It's, it's, that's the conspiracy. And instead, we, we don't live in that world. We live in a world where that's the reality. And the conspiracy is that this is a self-inflicted shutdown. The executives at that private company that run the Colonial Pipeline should be reimbursing everyone for this. It is on their heads. There are people we could personally name who are responsible for this outage. And it's not some shady, anonymous, very convenient group named Darkside. It's the executives that run the Colonial Pipeline and the people that work in the IT department. But we will not have that conversation. We will not talk about this in the simplistic terms that could prevent the blight that is ransomware. Instead, we attribute it and make it sound scary and sophisticated. And it's something that we can't prevent. It's an act of God. It's like a tree falling on my house. There's nothing that could be done except for cutting down all the trees. We can't do that. Instead of just explaining it simply and how to make this work in the future, we 
bury it under all of this propaganda and misunderstanding of technology, and the group just goes on. Now, it, it, what used to be QAnon or Anonymous is now just dark side, and they're just infecting more people, and more people are paying the price. I mean, this group dark side, there's been this global hue and cry about this attack on Colonial, but they have not stopped their hacking activity over the past 24 hours. Uh, I'm told they have posted on the dark web the names of three additional companies that they are claiming that they have attacked. The three companies, one of which is in the United States. The first victim company is in Illinois. It's got revenues in excess of about $50 million. It's a technology services reseller. The second two companies are outside the United States. One is in Brazil. It's a reseller of renewable energy products. Uh, and the third one is in the UK. It's a worldwide attack. It's in the construction industry. It's not just using America's internet, but it's using the internet in the UK and Brazil too. So elite! So three relatively large, but not globally significant, I would say, companies now uh, have had information about them posted on the dark side website on the dark web, which is called Dark Side Leaks, sort of an allusion to WikiLeaks. Uh, so the dark side group called Dark Side Leaks is posting on the dark web. You got that, everybody? It's that damn dark web again. Uh, this may be an indication that there's an ongoing negotiation now between the hackers and these three companies. We've reached out uh, to the companies. We'll bring any confirmation that we get from those companies. But You know, these, these companies, you know, they've had IT services. Some of these companies have been around for a very long time. And they've had IT services since the 1980s. And now it's 2021 and none of these companies have decent backups. No matter how critical their workload is, no matter how essential they are to the economy, none of them, none of them. It's just incredible. And it's just laid to, laid out to bear right here in front of all of us with their lack of backup dongs just hanging out. And we just pretend as a society like we don't see it. And I guess it's mostly because of ignorance. People don't understand how technology works. And then when the media talks about it in these terms of these absolute elite groups and how sophisticated they are, and then they put up pictures of, they put up, if you're watching the video version on our PeerTube, they have like this rolling set of B-stock, B-roll pictures of Vladimir Putin that they put up, that they, they roll all these sinister looking pictures of Putin while they talk about how Russia encouraged this group to do something. And society sees that, the rest of the conversation from that point forward starts there. It's these super sophisticated attacks that are coming for your data. When they, they're actually... As far as things go, they're the simplest kind of attacks. The same with phishing. They're actually extremely basic. You don't even need antivirus software to prevent them. You know, you just don't click links, and you have good backups. And if you do those two things, you would have prevented every major sophisticated cyber attack that we've had in the news, with perhaps the exception of the SolarWinds hack recently. Think about that for a moment. But instead of talking about it in super clear, simple terms that people could actually take action on today, we instead bury it under all of this Russian propaganda. The good news is the pipeline is starting back up as of like right now. From Wood TV 8, this is a breaking news alert. And welcome back. We are just to getting uh, some breaking news in from Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm. She has tweeted out that the Colonial Pipeline is in the process of restarting its pipeline after that ransomware attack, the pipeline's been shut down for six days now, and it provides much of the gasoline for the East Coast. Hundreds of stations in multiple states have run out of gas in the past few days. 
Again, Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm just tweeting out that the pipeline is now being restarted. Now you'll notice there is no gas station line porn in this episode. Uh, you'll find plenty of coverage of people filling up garbage bags and buckets and all kinds of stupid things with gas. Um, none of that in today's episode. That's the kind of stuff that we just pass right by. We talk more about the story behind the story on the Unfilter show. And so I'm going to be off the air for the next few weeks as I hit the road. So the Unfilter show will be back in about, well, just go subscribe. It'll be back soon with a few format tweaks here and there. And I'll tell you more about that when I return. But in the meantime, I'm off to Montana. So I'll see you next time. Mommy needs a joint.